This is Psalm Psalm chapter 2, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So here's what I think your problem is. You never learned how to live in a monarchy. You never learned how to live under a king. Some of you are thinking, one of them is Doug Aldridge. Darn right we don't live under some king. I'm working on you. I'm working on that. Okay. Darn right we... 250 years ago, kicked them Brits out. Downton Abbey watching, tea drinking, royal wedding having. We don't need any of that. Every year we cook hot dogs and shoot up ungodly amounts of fireworks in my neighborhood to celebrate the fact that we don't have a monarchy. We learned in high school civics class from our football coaches that we were endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights to include life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those rights do not include, they're very clear about that, serving some king. Now, of course, okay, you realize that you did grow up in, let's say, a very localized monarchy, okay? You had some benevolent dictators who uh, controlled your access to the family car, decided when you could have a Snapchat account, Okay, told you to make your bed and clean the bathroom, right? But you hope that by this point of your life, you would be done with that. You would be done with somebody telling you what to do and where to go. You, you would no longer need rulers, even if they were benevolent. Your hope was that you could start making your own decisions. You could start setting your own agenda. You could be master of your own fate. That sounds awesome. Somebody may have told you that at your high school graduation. They probably read Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go. It would have been awesome if they had had a big map to read that from. And you hope that the places you would go do not include serving some king. 
But that's where you are, you know. That's what this is. And you need to learn how to live here. Because I think your problem is you never learned how. Now, when the United Nations was created in 1945, okay, uh, when the United Nations was created, earlier in their charter, it says this. It says, all peoples have the right to self-determination. By virtue of that right, they freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social, and cultural development. Now, that sounds very nice. Also, it makes God laugh, according to Psalm 2. I mean, you can understand why the UN Charter says that. This is 1945, right? So, you know, we had just come, come through this time when Nazi Germany, right, and uh, the Empire of Japan over here, you know, uh, decided they wanted to conquer the world and uh, subjugate the world to their rulers. And so it makes sense that, you know, having thwarted that, they want to set up this United Nations that was going to make sure that didn't happen again. So the UN made certain that nations and peoples have a right to self-determination, to freely determine their political status. And that one line has saved the world from war ever since. Oh, wait, no, it hasn't. (laughs) There has been almost constant war since that time. Right? Almost constant war. Central Africa, Eastern Europe, Middle East, Southeast Asia. There's been war everywhere because while self determination is a nice idea, it's also a terrible idea. And it makes God laugh. Here's the thing. We're not very good at ruling ourselves. We're really awful at determining our own fate. It's like a lot of things. We think we're better at it than we really are. Self-determination is a lie. It's a lie straight from Satan. But we'll buy it because we can't really imagine what it would be to serve a king. And if we can't imagine it, it seems like utter hell. To have no voice in what your life will be about, to have no vote in the direction of your life, to be completely subject to the whims of someone who might not care about you whatsoever, to have no opportunity to determine your own choices, that feels un-American. So we strive to rule ourselves. And God laughs. See, if God is laughing at the plotting of kings and presidents, generals and admirals, I think he's also laughing at our ridiculous attempts to run our own lives. If he's mocking Kim Jong-un, and with that haircut he probably is. (laughs) If he's mocking him, he's probably also mocking my ridiculous attempts to set up, you know, my own personal fiefdom. Like I'm Lord Grantham, looking out over my magnificent estate, all my minions doing all of my bidding. 
And speaking of someone with five student assistants, having someone do your bidding is awesome. (laughs) God is laughing at all my attempts to run my life, to have financial security, career certainty, assurance that my life is meaningful, and a social media presence that people find endearing and occasionally hilarious. (laughs) The goal of your life should not be to run your life. The goal of your life should not be to determine for yourselves all the places you will go. That's not your job. You're not very good at it. You think that you can't trust the king to do that job for you, to rule you, to reign over you. But it's you, it's me, it's all of us, ourselves, that we really can't trust. We really should not be given the responsibility to run our lives. We don't want the right things, do we? We lack impulse control. We lack the ability to choose long-term benefits over short-term pleasure. We don't have the kind of perspective about our lives to know what the best long-term decision should be. We demand and demand more and more control over our lives on an individual, on an everyday basis. We would even, truth be told, prefer a God that we could manipulate a little bit and control for our own ends. A God that, well, a God that looks a lot like us. A God that affirms all the things we do that wouldn't possibly think to challenge us or condemn us for the things we do. And even those of us who struggle with guilt and shame, things in our past, that's just another form of self-rule, you understand, right? I'll decide for myself what I will and will not be forgiven for. And I will decide what I will and will not forgive. I can't be trusted to run my life. Neither can you. It may be strange to say this, and let me go with this a bit. But I think we need something from God more than a Savior. I think we need a conqueror. I think we need someone to defeat us. I think we need someone to conquer us from us. I think we need someone to liberate us from us. And what's true of me and you and is true of families and neighborhoods and communities and people groups and nations. No matter who we are, no matter where we grew up, no matter where on this map we put our particular pin, this is true. Self-determination is a lie. The truth is, we need a king. And for all our striving and all our attempts to run our lives by grasping for more and more and more control, the only solution is grab a palm branch and shout Hosanna. Palm branches, um, this is the best Amazon could do, by the way. Um, So I don't know if it looked like this or not. Uh, palm branches were a symbol back to the Maccabeans, okay, uh, so intertestamental period, uh, of celebration of victory. 
that God had kicked out those evil rulers and he had, had replaced them with his God-appointed king. Right? And so what those crowds that were waving them on the city streets that one Sunday in Jerusalem, over here somewhere, in the outlet, what they were didn't really realize is that it wasn't the Romans, it wasn't even the Sanhedrin, who were the evil rulers this king would defeat. It was them. It was them. The wicked, the ungodly, the enemies of God that was just read for us from, from Romans 5. It was them that were the evil rulers that needed to be defeated, enslaved by sin, limited by the flesh, chained by death, corrupted by Satan to believe an idolatrous view of God. It was they themselves who were the evil rulers who needed to be defeated. It's us. We need to be defeated. To be broken, to have all hope of self-victory dashed, to face unconditional surrender to our conqueror. That's the only way we get to wave palm branches and claim victory. The only way to win is to lose. The only way to win is to be defeated. But that's only true. That's only true because our conqueror, and here's the good news, comes in peace. Our conqueror comes in humility. You know the text that those crowds that Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, the text that they were all thinking, Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. Now catch the paradox here. Lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, the war horses from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. The text was on everyone's mind as Jesus made his triumphal parade into Jerusalem. Their rightful king had come. Their new Solomon, Prince of Peace. But what they did not fully realize is that he would not just be a Prince of Peace for that one time in that one place, but that his war, his conquering, his victory would extend to the heavenlies and down into the depths of death for all nations from sea to sea his reign is everlasting and all encompassing no limit no end it extends everywhere 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 
The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The cross and grave were a battlefield, a battle which ended with death and Satan's defeat and our freedom. Death could not hold him and it will no longer hold us in its waterless pit. Its reign is finished. Sin's power is exhausted. Satan's corruption is reversed. The death, the chains that death used to hold you back from the life your Creator wants from you are rusted and decaying. His victory is total. And the war is over. And yet, you know this, we're surrounded by people who think it still goes on. I mean, this planet and every nation on it is truly and eternally under the lordship of Jesus Christ, our King, through the cross and the empty tomb. And yet many are like that Japanese soldier over here, just off the edge of the Philippines, who wouldn't believe that the news that World War II had ended. You know this story? He, he just, he wouldn't believe the news. He had received orders and he was going to carry those out. And so he, you know, even as the rest of his company, and some of them, many of them had surrendered, many of them had been killed, but he himself, after a while, was just left all alone in the jungle, living off the land, making raids on local farms, even tragically killing several people. He just would not believe that the war was over. And he lived that way for 30 years. Until finally he surrendered. The war is over and yet we are surrounded by, and these these countries, these nations are, are populated by people who think the war still continues. The good news has come. God's peace reigns. And yet, most don't even realize it. Fearful of death. Stuck in the limits of their flesh. Under sin and Satan's influence. And honestly, I understand why. It all comes back to this simple truth. I don't want to give up control. I don't want to live serving a king. And so this is one of the infinite ways infinite reasons why Jesus wins his war the way he does why he defeats us in humility mercy, compassion and love for those who continue their doomed war because they can't imagine trusting a king Jesus fights with humility he defeats us in a way that makes us love him. He defeats us in a way, conquers us in a way that makes us, that makes us trust him more than anything. He breaks the bow, he pushes aside chariots and war horses by riding a donkey in the victory parade. And by being lowly. Here's your Hebrew word study for the morning, okay? The Hebrew word ani. Also be translated poor oppressed or afflicted as in Isaiah 53 verse 7 he was oppressed and afflicted that's our word Ani yet he did not open his mouth 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears are silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus conquering war fought on the cross. And that conquering war was fought on billions of fronts. In the heavenly realms, in the depth of death, against every puppet of Satan that controlled some territory on this map. But Jesus' conquering war was also waged in the depth of my heart and yours. At the foundational level, a question rising from the very core of our being. His war was fought on this question, can I trust him? Will he be a good king for me? The cross says yes. The empty tomb says yes. The hope of him returning and taking all of this says yes. And Jesus says in John 12, When I am lifted up from the earth, he means the cross there, I will draw all people to me. And Paul reminds us how the cross teaches in 2 Timothy 2, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Can you trust him? Jesus conquered through self-giving love, brought peace through strength, exercise, and sacrifice, defeated us by his own death, that we might trust him, that he will raise us with him. In other words, dominant thought alert, he lost so that he could defeat us, so that we could win. He lost so that he could defeat us, so that we could win. And he invites all of us to grab grab a palm branch and join his victory parade. All the poor and powerless, all the lost and lonely, all the defeated, humiliated, shameful, guilty, don't feel like my life's going to come out to anything. He invites all of us to join and we get to join him we get to surrender we get to lay down our weapons and join the side that wins by losing 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere Um, before I came to work here I, uh, I was in a small farming community in western Indiana okay, town about 800 people uh, and so we decided it had been a few years since we had done anything kind of big as a community and so we decided that we were going to have, uh, we would celebrate our founders day, I guess we had a founders day, who knew, anyway so uh, so we decided that we were going to have a parade, which is like, okay, I prayed for 800 people. All right. So, uh, so we decided we're going to, we invite, you know, everybody wants to be in the parade, in the parade. And so, um, do I hit Alaska? Okay, we better hit Alaska. We'll get letters. <laughs> um, <laughs> Canada? All right. Canada too. Um, so, uh, so, you know, people start showing up for the parade. Let's get a few more here to South America. All right. Uh, so people start showing up for this parade. And um, 
you know, it's not a very big parade, right? So, you know, 800 people. So, you know, we had, you know, we had, you know, the, we had the rodeo team. So they came in on their horses, and that was good. You know, and the people that have to follow the rodeo team, that was, that was less good. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had some of the county officials, they were riding in, uh, you know, convertibles and pickup trucks and things, and like, you know, had to have signs to remind us who they were. You know, I was like, who is that guy again? Um, and uh, so uh, we, all we had was an elementary school. We didn't have a, a middle school or high school or anything like that. And so, uh, so we, had, we had the cheerleaders from the 5th and 6th grade boys basketball team. So they were in the parade. All right. And, uh, oh, we had a few other people. We had the volunteer fire department, you know, whose pagers always went off in church during my sermon. I think they set them that way. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, let's see, what else did we have uh, in that parade? Oh. My friend Michael, my friend Michael Childress, who uh, wanted to show off his new tractor, and so and so he kind of he ended up he ended the parade. Uh, he was going like Santa Claus in the Macy's Day Parade, you know. So he decided he was gonna he was gonna uh, finish the parade and uh, come kind of be be the end of it. And uh, so okay, that was the parade, and it took about 15 minutes. <laughs> And it was like, okay, okay, what do we do now? Um, so what, what started happening, which is kind of interesting, was people just started, you know, they had their lawn chairs there on the sidewalk, on the curb, and they just started getting up and just joining the parade. <laughs> They're like, well, that's all there is. We're just gonna, we're gonna join in here. And so they started marching, you know, with the cheerleaders and uh, started kind of walking beside, you know, the, the county officials in their convertibles. And they started to, to make sure I save one for Australia. Um, and they just started going along with everybody. They get everybody here pretty close. Okay. Uh, Indonesia. Uh, okay. Let's, Forgive me, Indonesia. <laughs> so I started just marching along. And so I was like, just kind of standing there by myself. So I, so I jump up. I was much younger and spryer then. I jump up on my friend Michael's tractor and start waving to nobody because everybody had left. <laughs> everybody was now part of the parade. And so we said, hey, let's go around again. So we all went around again. (laughs) What's it like living in this monarchy? In this kingdom, it's like joining a parade. A triumphal procession that stretches across every border and transcends time and marches even into eternity. For all of us who gladly surrender to the one who by his love intentionally lost so that he could defeat us, so that we could win. And that's what he is calling you to join. Jesus is calling you to ministry. Because we are surrounded by people who do not realize that the war is over. And they can't know that until the parade comes to town. When last time I looked, which is just a few days ago, there were 300 listings on the open ministry page at occ.edu. About 300. 
And each one of those represents a community, large or small, that needs to see Christ's victorious parade. And every opportunity on the Ministry Center bulletin board in the stew, you know, right across the mailroom, mail you all know where that is. Every guest who puts a display in the IMC, and mark this on your calendars, Wednesday, February 21st, 11.45 a.m., we're going to have a networking lunch for you to make contact with ministry leaders for full-time, part-time, internship, summer positions. It's during P&T. Wednesday, February 21st, during the lunch hour. They're all offering you a place in the parade. Jesus is calling you. Your gifts, your talents, your past, your ethnicity, your passions for ministry, your uniqueness, your gender, your relationship status. He's asking you, he's calling you to join his victorious parade. To join a parade celebrating the one who sacrificed everything so that he could defeat us so that we could win. And that's what it's like to live in his kingdom. Father, we thank you that you give us a place in this, that you have conquered us from the depths of our selfishness as you have conquered every place on this map. And now our hearts are yours. Our lives are yours. Our futures are yours, Father. You are the best king, the best director, the best conqueror for all of them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.